Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box. and Megan Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. So I know exactly where Mesquite is because I'm from, uh, grew, lived in Milford, Utah for 10 years. My husband's from right there. His family oh. grew up in St. Hughes originally from Perkin, Utah. Okay. So, I know right. And you Megan. said it right. Yeah. So you know everything. <laughs> I know. I know you're, not, you're not from Hurricane, Utah. Hurricane. And it'll be noisy in the background, but it's a podcast. Oh, well. And we'll go as long as you guys want to. When you say, you know, we're done. Okay. So don't feel like we're keeping you here. Uh Oh, she's going to read off the whole thing. Yeah. Well, if you want, she said she wanted that one. So I want to make sure I did a good job. Two. Two. Oh, you want both. Hers was tell me how to be a poet. Okay. Roll it, Linda. This is always our hard part. Steve, the theme of this year's. Cowboy Poetry Gathering is Generations, and we just saw a fantastic show with four outstanding, talented women. And we have Annie McKenzie has graced us here, along with her sister, Megan Wright, and you guys are the you're, you're the young talent. That's what we were told. you got to get Annie McKenzie because she's the young talent. Oh, gosh, perfect. Well, I wouldn't be here without Megan, so I'm... Just grateful they keep inviting me back and that she keeps helping me <laughs> with all of it. Annie, you want to tell us a little bit about your life, how you got started with cowboy poetry? You had mentioned before you were involved with construction, teaching, ranch life as well. Yeah, so I grew up on a ranch in Jordan Valley, you know, born and raised there. Loved loved helping out on the ranch when I was a kid and stuff, but there was always kind of, I guess, pressure to go to college and go get a real job so to speak so I did that I went to school and then I had a bunch of different jobs I worked for in an office and I worked construction and then I was a teacher in my hometown for a little while that didn't last very long and I just I kept coming coming back home I would skip you know in the brand in the spring we have branding season I would skip school and college to come home for branding season (laughs) every year and just tell my teachers I'd do the work when I got back or do it while I was there if they'd give it to me early you know it was always kind of the priority and would come home whenever I could and I finally just realized like ranching and being back on the ranch is where I want to be and what I want to do why don't I just go do that and make that my living well Annie she went to college and and she got her her degree um she like finished school, you know, she didn't just go and, and try it out for a second. I mean, she went, she played college basketball, she college rodeoed, and she was uh, on, on high honors throughout her college career. Uh, what was your degree? Liter- liberal arts is what the- Liberal arts, yeah. she got her graduate degree in liberal arts. So, I mean, she she didn't just go to school and, <laughs> and then skip and come home. Like, she, she finished it. She yeah. was very proud of how well she did there. I almost didn't, if my big sister, Emily, like I had, I think one, one more year or two more years, and I was like, I'm done. Like I 
I'm over school. I don't know what I'm going to use this degree for. I'm just going to go home. And my sister Emily was like, the heck you are. You are finishing school. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll finish. That's it. And, and what school was that? I went to Walla Walla Community College up in Washington, and then I went to Eastern Oregon University. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a lot to be proud of. And you had mentioned before when you were a teacher, you prepped for classes grades 7 through 12. Yeah. And two different subjects. Yeah, well. it was a lot. It was so much work, but I, oh, my sister was right. Like, <laughs> I had a lot of long nights and tear-filled nights trying to get all that work done sure. and figure everything out on the fly, basically. But by the end of it, the kids, they really stepped up and were like, I don't know. You have to have the kids buy into a program like that. Like, if they don't think you care they're not going to care and they're not going to put any effort in and so the kids that were I was teaching they bought in and stepped up and helped me out a bunch and by the end of the year it was pretty fun and I was well, sad to see it go was ag an elective yeah so the yeah. ag classes are all elective but the it's a ranching community so it's most of the kids really <laughs> yeah <laughs> most of the kids take it it's, it's, you're, that's their way of life yeah they, they all do it for the shop classes but the for the ag classes. side like there's yeah shop classes and then there's we had a greenhouse that was so we had like those classes and there was speak like we did public speaking was a part of it and there was so many different things I had to learn about like days before the kids and then try and present the material to them. I'm so knowledgeable. Yeah, I know everything. <laughs> but I think what helped was I was pretty honest with the kids like I'm doing my best, but you know if I don't know something, let's look it up figure it out together and kids appreciate that yeah i'm learning a lot this week i'd like to know more about your ranch life and you said you came back for branding season so kind of describe to me if you will what what kind of things you did on the ranch and how branding season worked we're pretty fortunate we run most of our cows outside that means they're just out on grass in the winter time we have some really good winter country down by the river they run outside then we have some heifers that heifers is a cow that hasn't had a calf before so we feed those at the ranch and help them calve make sure they don't have any problems and then come springtime we gather all the cows up out of the winter country and from the ranch and brand them which is uh, marking their ears cutting little notches out of their ears and a hot iron on their hip to mark them that they're ours and so nobody else will take them and then they get a bunch of vaccinations to help keep them from getting sick which definitely it's we had a bunch of calves that kind of were off in a far corner and they never did get their shots and the sickness that ran through those calves dang sure made you appreciate those shots they yeah, get you just just like the common cow elements elements and then we, we vaccinate against them just like you vaccinate your kid or whatever so we vaccinate them uh, mark them for identification so we know there are cows or whatever but we get you know the kids everybody gets involved from grandparents to to the little kids and they're roping we we head and heal some ranches only heal or some places just put them through like a shoot random but we we head and heal and the kids i mean the kids look for it oh as they much have as, a blast as much as the, the we <laughs> we used to i don't know it used to be like kids like you could have like one or two kids roping kind of the old school way but now we have brandings that are just all kid branding so all the kids rope and all the grown-ups grown work the ground they do the bad jobs and we let the kids do and the, the, let the kids the have the fun roping yeah. it. it's a lot of fun they they're a blast. So when you say head and hill, that's describing where 
the rope where the ropes go yeah so one guy put throws his rope and catches the head of the calf and then the other guy throws his rope and catches the two back feet and that way you can hold them on the ground they won't struggle and hurt themselves as bad and you can mark them so we can get them back if they get mixed with the neighbors are the hours long when during branding season yeah they can be (laughs) they can drag on it it kind of depends on how many cows they set out to do but there's been days where we've branded like 500 head and it's dark and wow everybody's tired home at like it was it was a late branding it was more like june um so you know you have too much daylight in a ranch it's <laughs> it's rough when, you, when you're hitting June, July, and you get hours and hours. No, no such no thing as too much daylight. <laughs> but, I mean, we got home. I think we quit branding at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and and then had to drive, you know, an hour or two home and, and put horses away and put the vaccine. Yeah, stuff. So it, was it was a long one. I mean, we and the calves are a lot day. bigger in yeah, June. It was. Long it wears you out. Just depends. But I don't think there's not really such thing as short hours on a ranch. So there's, yeah. It's, Whatever the whatever the season is, whether it's branding or haying season or in the fall, then we have to gather everything and sort them and, and take the babies away from their moms to wean them, you know. And so those days are long. And then in the winter, you're feeding everything and breaking ice for everything. And, and if any of the cows are having issues having their babies, you're helping them. So Yeah, there's no I mean, short days. There's no short days on a ranch. It's, it's, and there's always something to do. Like, do we have anything going on today is a dumb question. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll find something if we don't. If you want to go to town, or Annie especially, if she wants to go to town, she doesn't say, like, hey, what's going on? She's like, I'm going to town to get groceries. Yeah. Goodbye. You can't say, what's, what do you got going yeah. on? Because then you feel bad they're doing it. You'll never have groceries. Yeah, yeah, you'll never get groceries. After 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> that's when you started your cowboy poetry. Yeah. Well. So tell us about how... You got into cowboy poetry. I just always loved poetry. I thought it was great. Like, I um, went to school in a one-room schoolhouse, and my Aunt Rena was our teacher, and she was, like, very, I don't know what you would say the word is, like, high on, like, reading, writing, and arithmetic. The three R's. The three R's. R's. (laughs) Reading, writing, and arithmetic. And she kind of ingrained that in me, and so I ended up loving reading and writing, and if I had a school assignment that I could turn into a poem, I would do it every time. I just loved it and always writing one and I don't know. They just come throughout the day and I scribble them down on whatever I can find. So you started with poetry and then you got into cowboy poetry? Well, I guess kind of, yeah. I mean, they kind of went hand in hand. I wrote about loving where I live and loving my horse and so, He's a great horse, of course. <laughs> I love that. That's one of your first poems. Yeah. What <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Uh, so how did you get involved with the National po- Poetry Gallery? Oh, I would say by accident. <laughs> so I'd always wrote poems, but I didn't really share them with anybody except for, like, Megan. Like, I would tell Megan, like, oh, listen to this one or whatever. But I didn't post them anywhere. I didn't share them with anybody because I just thought, like, People probably think I'm a nerd writing poetry and what a she dork. Is a nerd. <laughs> well, that's true. I just own it now. <laughs> yeah, but look what this nerd does. You get up in front of all these people. Oh yeah, and you're just like a natural. I can't believe that. I yeah, I still can't believe that I'm here. It blows my mind. She wrote a, a poem about our brother that was teasing. You know, yeah, that's, that's I was just telling one of our friends. You, nobody escapes Annie's pen. <laughs> you're just nobody's safe. She wrote a pretty hilarious little naughty poem about my brother and shared it with the neighbor and then he happened to 
have family associated with there and um, with the with, with the, the gathering, the gathering. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he was like, well, you should talk to my aunt or whatever. And it just all of a sudden, Annie was an Elko. And she was like, yeah. I don't know how. Just sharing one happened. funny poem around the campfire moving cows. And then all of a sudden, they're inviting me to Elko. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> what was your first time in Elko? So that was, was it 2018, I think, was yeah. my first time in Elko. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're an old hand here. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I well, <laughs> call it that. There's a lot of old hands there, <laughs> including me. I'm uh, old, but you're not old. They're all like, up and cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been crazy, but a lot of fun. The show that we just saw, Rites of Passage, highlighted you and three other women. I wrote down a comment I'd like for you to share with our listeners Tell us about how you feel about sharing artwork. Oh, gosh. I can, oh, <laughs> you said I, uh, sharing your artwork is like sharing a piece of yourself. Is that what I yes, said? Yeah, that's what you said. Yes. Yeah, I very much believe that. It's terrifying to get up there and share those. You know, those are my innermost thoughts. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not usually the one who does the talking if you can believe it like I usually leave that to the rest of my family usually Megan do that fault like someone will ask me a question and I'll like look at Megan like how do I feel about this <laughs> so getting up there and sharing what I think and every like everyone is listening is terrifying you know like that's that's me that's a part of me that I in a sense won't get back because that privacy of that moment is gone and it's shared with everyone and it's I think, scary. I think you said one time your art, uh, how do you say that? Um, it's, you know, sharing your poems and put and, and, and reciting them to be critiqued is like putting a piece of, of myself out there to be analyzed. Oh I yeah. I did. It's like your, your, your poems, not just open yeah. for judgment. It's not just you. the words that are yeah. like, it's especially when they're written on the page and you send it to somebody, you can separate yourself from it a little bit. Like, how do you like these words? That doesn't have anything to do with me. But when I get up there and share my words, then, yeah, I open myself, my very self up for that analyzation and critique. And it almost feels like if they don't like my poetry, they don't like me because it's such a part of me. And it's What I noticed on Rites of Passage was that your poetry was so honest and heartfelt. Um, you shared some real pieces of your inner self with us, which was very much appreciated, I think, by the crowd. I wonder if you would go ahead and share your poem with us now, Tell Me How to Be a Poet. Oh, yeah. That one was, I was, oh my gosh, I was not sure if I wanted to share it or not, because I didn't want to, I didn't, I was really terrified somebody would take it the wrong way, like, I was... You don't want to offend somebody yeah, I was, who helped you. Yeah, somebody would help me, like, oh, she didn't even appreciate my help, but I so appreciate everyone's help that's ever just even given me a small comment like slow down when you're talking which i still need to work on but oh we got our critiques yeah <laughs> I, good i take all critiques i yeah, opened all my critique is from my oldest son <laughs> that don't talk anymore oh, <laughs> let linda talk let linda say everything stop oh god like, don't be so mean to me yeah it's just hurtful <laughs> but uh yeah so i was terrified to share this one but I'm glad I'm glad that I did because it was something that I, especially preparing for this gathering you know coming back to all the crowds and stuff and being around so many great poets 
it's intimidating. And so this is my experience with trying to get better and struggling with how to do so. Sure. Tell me how to be a poet, who I ought to copy, who to not. Tell me how to be a poet, how I should be like the old ones, lest they're forgot. Tell me how to be a poet. Tell me how to write. Tell me how to be a poet. Tell me how to recite. Don't rhyme the words I use in everyday life. They're too common, too plain. Don't write about my struggles and strife, if someone else has had that pain. Slant rhymes are too uncouth, a lazy author's out. Find another word to use. I should be better at it by now. Tell me how to be a poet, if it's all been written, already put in prose. Tell me how to be a poet. All the good ones were written years ago. Tell me how it's done, how to stand, how to talk. Tell me how I'm not one. I'd understand. I won't balk. You tell me how to be a poet. Lord, I guess I'm not one. Maybe I should have quit it for all this nonsense begun. I'll tell you I just like pretty words. I like them better when they rhyme. I never was the one who said they're worth a dime. I'll tell you I write about it if I know it. About the cattle and the land. I'll tell you, I never wanted to be a poet. I just wanted to be a cowhand. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other thing we talked a little bit about before we started the podcast is that you were very open in front of the crowd. You had a challenge, and you said, if this would help anybody in the audience, I'd like to share this poem. And Steve and I gave you a standing ovation. For that yeah, it was very much appreciated. It was hard to share that one. Would so, you please share a little bit with us that uh, you, was well, your poem and, about your struggle with depression? Yeah, correct? and you can or not, whatever you want to do. Yeah, don't no. let us. That's and 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 share the the helpline that you. Yeah, I've well, I was like I said, I was worried about sharing it at all, and I didn't know if. If I could, basically, I guess, because it's very raw, very raw. It's very what I just was struggling with and like trying to go through these things. And I never I never wrote it to be shared. I didn't count the stanzas and the syllables and the lines and rhyme everything perfectly. I just kind of let it all come out of me. And it was a really dark time when it came and. I, I for for a while there, I was just like kind of trying to ignore it. Like that's not what it was. Like you're just having a bad day and just get over it and you'll be fine. And then I remember feeding in the tractor one day, and I can't. I don't know what the what the tipping point was, but I do remember getting out of the tractor and Megan was helping me. I think you were opening gates and I was in the tractor and I got out of the tractor and I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of life. I don't want to do it anymore. I can't handle it. I, I don't see the point. I don't like, I don't care about anything. I don't want to try for anything. And it was just, just even saying it out loud made it so much better. Just to get that off my chest. Because I had been fighting it, and I mean, fighting and fighting and fighting it. And I knew Megan could see it. Like, everybody on the ranch could see it. 
but I refused to talk about it. I didn't want to bring it up. And so when I finally was like, talked to her and was like, I am depressed. I like, I can't just keep pretending I'm okay. I am struggling with depression. And I was like, depression. <laughs> it was like, obviously. And that's a, that's a real illness. Like, heart disease, yeah, oh, yeah. cancer. I mean, it's just... Uh, but some people don't realize yeah, that. So. It's not just a bad day. Like, it's your whole body chemistry fighting against you and in stuff. And our, our Western lifestyle, I mean, they do not talk about it ever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually another um, community, uh, poetry community, that, uh, they're, they're, bringing up, they're trying to bring awareness to suicide and depression in the, in the Western lifestyle. And and how people just I mean you don't talk about it I mean if if Annie was to and my grandma's like super awesome but I think if Annie even tried to talk to our grandma about it she'd be like no you're fine you're fine you're 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 fine yeah that's just how it is it's it's and that's how our family is that's how the culture is it's it's not um you know it's insane if the the amount of people that are just like if you're depressed you're weak you're just need to get over it you don't need therapy you don't need you don't need help with um you know chemical imbalances that's if your body has an issue and it's not taking care of itself like you need a you need medicine you need a doctor to help you and they're just like nope, nope yeah everything's fine. fine nope you're fine and just- that's part of the real struggle too with cancer <laughs> you get a lot of sympathy and empathy and help yeah and with depression a lot of people don't understand yeah, they'll, they'll, that. Or they'll avoid you. They don't want to. Yeah. Like, it's not like, contagious. They, it's not contagious. <laughs> but they just, like, they don't want to confront that issue or, like, mm-hmm. maybe think about their own issues with it. So they're like, I got, <laughs> I know I was avoided by people and I kind of, like, hurt. But I was, like, also, I could see why. Like, it made them uncomfortable and they didn't know how to handle it or what to do. And I was still trying to figure out what the hell to do. <laughs> so I could see it but yeah they just you don't get the like that same support or whatever people just kind of like I guess they feel like if they don't bring it up like bringing it up makes it worse or something but it's very much freeing when you can just say it like I am struggling with depression and I need to go get help and I I went to betterhelp.com and got a therapist and I could because I live super remote so I was able to call them and talk to them on the phone whenever I needed to and they would, could help me through it. Would you repeat that again? What's oh, the betterhelp.com? Betterhelp.com. Yeah. Okay. So they they do like you can do on like online email or whatever and text or call or whatever works for you. Video calls. You can do yeah, video, video calls call, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So being so remote, it was awesome that I could set it up and on they my schedule. Set you up with a, like a. They match you with someone. Yeah, we do. I should be getting paid for this. <laughs> no, no they, they match you with a therapist who it, has. A quiz, right? Yeah, they so they have you answer these questions about your faith and you know what you're looking for help with and who you know who you are and where you're at in your life or whatever. And then they find a therapist who specializes in that or has similar values as you, and yeah. it's awesome. And I'm sure you feel stronger having to overcome that challenge. Yeah, stronger than if you had it never been confronted by that oh challenge. for sure and I still I definitely still struggle with it like there's still days where I just don't want to go and it, it, like I don't see the point or whatever but I know that I've been I've been through the darkest part and I know I can 
I can come through it again. Right. It's hard and it's never, never easy to deal with those thoughts, but I know I can do it because I've been through the darkest part already. And you're, and you're, and you were able to, to open up to a stranger and, and a therapist and help, you know what I mean? Like yeah. You know how to get help now. Yeah. Instead I, of, you took that very giant, very hard, very difficult, very suck you down to say I need him yeah that was the biggest thing the just the break like yeah I need help I can't do this and saying it out loud to somebody was like I said so freeing like I was able to let that go out of me instead of just fighting it in my head just that came came out and it was yeah very freeing and then you took the huge step of sharing that with your audience. Yeah, that was terrifying. <laughs> do you feel like sharing that home with our podcast listeners? Yeah, I can, I can do that. That would be great. Um, yeah. You, <laughs> where's your scarf? <laughs> I'm tired all the time. I can barely get myself out of bed, but the responsibility is mine and the critters still need fed. Brush it off as... Sometimes I sing the blues, because depression is a word that cowboys don't use. I need to move my cows, they're running short on feed. I need to shoe my horses, they've all got long feet. I need to let my dogs out, had them kenneled for two weeks. But I can barely find the energy, struggling in this muck like a yearling in a sluice. But depression is a word that cowboys don't use. And I've seen other cowboys struggle with this affliction, masking their hurt and brokenness with all kinds of addiction. Yeah, he kind of lost it. He went off the deep end, became an alcoholic, and lost all of his friends. Maybe he just didn't know what else to do. Because depression is a word that cowboys don't use. Mental health just means you're really good at math. And you should just get over it if you're ever feeling sad. Cowboys don't cry. Pull yourself up by the bootstrap. There are well-intentioned lies that'll catch you in this trap. If you can't be honest about what it is you face, how do you intend to ever escape? It's a vicious cycle of self-inflicted abuse, but depression is a word that cowboys don't use. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Andy. <laughs> thank you very much. Time. Let me ask, so does being on stage, does that help? And the ad adoration of millions? Yeah, no. <laughs> Wait till our millions of listeners. Yeah, no, adoration does not, does not cure that no. <laughs> for sure. But it is like, it was amazing because I think I almost well, felt like I was about to cry on stage. Like I was really struggling with that many people staring at me, you know, and sharing like this this thing that you're so used to hiding from everybody your secret your secret yeah basically yeah. your secret and so sharing it in front of all those people was so terrifying but i just kind of had this sign from god i had seen a post somebody else had made about depression in the western community and i was like and i was you know looking at that poem and then i'd seen the post and i was like uh yeah i'm pretty sure that's a sign from god right there like they shared this, and it helped you. So if you share your story, it will help others. I think sharing leads to healing when we can all come together and 
admit like we're all struggling with different, you know, with these things and it's okay. And it may have touched others. I'm sure it did touch many others in that audience who are struggling. Yeah. I had some who, people come up to me and they thanked me for it. And so that made it, that made it worthwhile, the almost breaking down and shaking. And <laughs> well, we could, I could even get her out of the room for your, to come do this. Cause it was, I mean, there were so many people that, that came up and, and were just like, that was yes. That was something, you know? <laughs> so very proud of her for We'll, we'll change the subject here a little bit. They're doing a wild horse roundup and how terrible it is oh, on the horses and everything. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, what I would love to. That's another thing I feel pretty strongly about because there's so much, I don't know, misinformation out there, I guess. People just think they're rounding them up for fun or something, but they're they're tearing their own environment apart, like the the way horses are built, like they're kind of an invasive species. They weren't here and the way their hooves are just tears the land apart and they have too many of them. They don't have any predators that do population control. So there's too many horses. Like they're supposed to be like 70,000 in the entire United States, I think is what their, they, the, their allotments they have, the BLM does like our land can handle this many animals. And there's, I think three times that or Oh, there's yeah. it's got to be more than three times that what they have there's i think two hundred thousand or something there's a, it's a crazy well, number you, like, i don't want to give you the wrong number and be able to make a liar out of myself if you go out uh like to like Pahrump or somewhere and see the horses out there um and we've done jobs with uh we've gathered and stuff there but they're just they 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 uh populate so quickly um they're like rabbits yeah, and, yeah they i mean they oh my are, gosh and and the the horses you see there it's it's so sad like we love horses yeah love horses they're not just a tool for our work you know but they're so to see an animal that's starving and, and like starving raise, to death starving like they death. are i mean they don't have enough grass and water they starving. have eaten the you know wrecked the country so much they have and, starved themselves to death and if it weren't for ranchers they they would even be worse off because a lot, like especially out there, there's no water, you know. So the ranchers haul water to their cows, which then the horses get to drink the water, you know. But it's it's so sad. It, it's I hate the wild horse stigma. Of don't wrangle them because if you ever actually go out there and see the ones that are that are starving to death, that their colts are, they just have to leave their colts and walk away because yeah. they can't raise and they have no milk. They, they will they'll wean their colts and they'll leave their colts yeah, at a dry because they can't. Bed. Su- it's sad. Survive. It's super sad. I I the wild it's horse. It's awful. Deals. Yeah, and I've seen them around. Sad. Well, if you know about Pahrump, then you know about um, I think it's Cold Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've seen them there. My wife and I've gone up to take pictures yeah. of them and seeing the ribs and everything. Yeah. You know, and then you'll hear they're doing a roundup, and then some other people. Oh, they're doing a roundup, but. It's, what what, what else can they do? Because they're going to die. They get, you know, we, they round them up and they either ship them to like a feedlot type area or there's ranches, like especially in like Oklahoma, Kansas area, that that's where they get to go live and they have like first cutting grass, food, yeah, feed, and grain, horse and, water, heaven. and, and vet, you know, they get taken care of by a vet. And yeah, it's, it's, it's 
And, and it's, it's, Oregon's kind of different because our, our horses in Oregon are managed quite a bit better than Nevada um, and, and Utah. So we have, like, beautiful Mustangs. Like, you go up there, there's some they, big horses. They're really good looking. So they see them, and they're like, oh, you're, they're free, and you're taking them. Like, yeah, but if you don't, they're going to end up looking like the ones in Nevada and the ones in Utah that are starving and, and uh, what is it? Emaciated? Uh, yeah, no, like, they're... There's not enough variety to the horses, so they're all uh, inbred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. inbred. Oh, okay. They're super yeah. inbred. So they like they have so many health issues from issues, that. Yeah. yeah, it's I don't know. I guess when you come from like ranching or a western way of life, you kind of live in a world of harsh truths, and people who you know they don't live out there where the horses are. They don't see that every day, and so they just think you know, it's all sunshine and butterflies and just leave them alone and they'll be fine. And it's like, no, I don't like, how do you, would you rather them starve to death or would you rather them be gathered and like the numbers, oops, sorry, <laughs> the numbers managed to where they can thrive and be healthy and you can gather them and get the numbers down to where Oregon is at a little bit better, you know, and yeah. they have better horses that people want to purchase. So you can keep the numbers down through a purchase option. Like yeah. it's hard to find people to buy inbred Donkeys, donkeys from donkeys. Nevada they're, because they're their health issues, their health alone. issues are alone. Yeah. You can't afford to take that horse on. You yeah. can't afford to pay for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we have the donkey rescue right around the corner yeah. from us in scenic Arizona. Yeah, yeah, and that's the same thing. I mean, if you don't rev, you don't take care of them. I mean, that's I think God. Like, you know, we're we're very much Christian based, and I mean, I think that's why God made man was was to be the caretakers of Earth and to and to take care of the animals and. And we just want to do that to the best of our abilities, you know. And yeah. when people don't see the, the flip side of, like, roundups and stuff, they're just like, leave them alone. Take the cows off. That's another thing. Just take care of the cows. No more ranchers, just wild horses. It's like. It's not the cloven-hooved animals that are causing well, the and detrimental Well, and it won't damage. solve anything. Those horses yeah, will just keep populating and keep populating and they, keep populating. And, like, it's not, an, it's not a solution. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, take the deer and elk off so the horses can. Well, that's not going to do you any good yeah. either, like. They, they don't want to, I don't know, they just see, like, the horses running with their mane in the wind, and they're so beautiful, and how dare you ever interrupt their life? Yeah. Like, you uh -oh. don't see them laying all down my, dying. All my photographer friends who spend all their time <laughs> up in their fallon yeah. taking these beautiful, beautiful pictures. pictures. Yeah. They are, and I enjoy them myself, but oh, I yeah. just, like, I know that I've personally seen the, the, other, the, side the other side of it, and it's so frustrating people fight so hard and spend so much money suing the government or suing the ranchers for the sake of the horses and it's like you it's like it's the what is it the road to hell was paved with good intentions yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's i mean they're just driving those horses sorry you totally hit a top topic yeah i <laughs> well the wild sorry, horse I'm, annie I'm, I'm, who started the whole thing yeah. so i've been <laughs> called that my whole life and like listen the wild horses are a problem <laughs> well when when you mentioned about wild, well i read it in there about oh, the wild yeah. horses yeah, yeah. And that's so like now we'll get Lillian to listen to <laughs> yeah, this. Oh, she'll probably sorry, hate Lillian. me, Lillian. I'm so sorry. We're so, not attacking. I'm you. not a horse hater. I love them, but I want the best for them. But not wrangling them is not the. Oh yeah, it's to, awful to for see, them. To see a horse starve when they you know gather and some of those horses can't even make they it can't to even the pen. Walk. They're so it's oh, it's disgusting. I can't I can't handle an animal or person suffering. It's I just can't. And to see the wild horses when they're not managed is so difficult for for us steve yeah. i'm learning a lot tell us about what the future holds for you and more cowboy poetry here i hope what you have some gigs going on what's going on oh i this is kind of the 
one gig I make it to. I don't the <laughs> stress of preparing for this one is about takes me out. You're very good. I would never oh, guess that. Gosh. Would you, Steve? No, I would. No, you get up like you've been doing this your entire life. <laughs> yes. Oh, it doesn't feel that way. But no, this is pretty much the only one I do. I've done a handful of other ones, and I've kind of I don't know played with the idea of doing some more, but I just I don't know. Poetry is very much kind of a hobby that I love, and I get kind of um, wary of turning it into a job because I really, you know, I love ranching and doing all those things and writing my poems about them, but sitting down and be like, okay, I have to write a poem about a horse and a saddle and, you know, those kinds of things. Like, it just turns it into a job for me, and then I absolutely hate the poem. (laughs) We could talk to you for hours and hours (laughs) because we've had the artist thing of is it a job? You started with our, our artist in Alaska, and she was saying, well, it's work. And you say, oh, it's work. And now you're saying, oh, it's work. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to turn it into that. Yes. I want to keep it this this fun, you know, I don't know, well, Annie not job. Well, could never make it a job. Like, you know, she does, these poems just come to her when the people she's around or the yeah she's doing someone will say a phrase and then there's the poem you know she was to have yeah to sit down and be like i have to write this it wouldn't have the the realistic you know this is her life that you get to she oh sorry annie no you're good this is the life she's sharing this is her and it's like her you know (laughs) to have to make something i don't think i don't think that's annie It, it it would take away everything her poems are I agree. That's why we grabbed her here for a podcast. <laughs> Annie, thank you so much for being with us today. And yeah, I hope I was good. You <laughs> were fantastic. Your Megan, your her support person, thank you yeah. so much for yeah. being here with us as well. Couldn't do it without her. Yeah, we really appreciate it. You guys have made our day. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, so. well, you're mine. easy to please. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll let you get back to more of the Cowboy Poetry Gathering. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. We were so lucky to have Annie come by and do an interview with us. She's quite amazing, as well as her sister, Megan. We thought we would end with one of her poems that we recorded during one of her live sessions. We attended three. I forget which one this was from, but it's really cute. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Megan. This kind of all came flooding to me at once. But when I, the first tickling of the poem came to my mind, I thought, this is inspired work. And I'm going to be reading this at church. That is not the poem that I wrote. This is what I got. (laughs) I went up Spring Mountain the other day, eyes out there on my own, searching for a blind calf so I could bring him home. I found him fairly quickly, but just as quick he went astray, because even though he couldn't see, he thought he knew the way. He veered off the path ahead into a rocky deep ravine, but as soon as I fetched him out of there, he was nowhere to be seen. He'd beaten me to the top, and he was fast on better ground. So I went back across the rocks, see if he could be found. Now I won't lie to you, it weren't a rosy search for the blind one, and I'd have punched him on the nose if only I could find him. <laughs> Thankfully, my brother showed up. Boy, I'm glad he did, because I was ready to have a tantrum that would rival any kid. Through poorly disguised mirth, he helped me with the search and got the calf back on the trail.
my brother said to Ropey. That also gave me hell, with a whole lot of cursing and a little bit of luck. Finally, I caught him, got him loaded in the truck. I look back on that day as I drove off that mountaintop and pondering that calf's lack of faith. I lost myself and thought, I guess you could compare this story to Christ when his lost children roam. But I hope he doesn't use the words I did while trying to bring that bastard home. <laughs> we want to thank the National Endowment for Humanities and Nevada Humanities for sponsoring our trip to the 38th National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.